0: Today, we're going to interview Justin Parnell, fourth-year head coach of Oregon Tech, the Hustlin' Owls, located in Klamath Falls, Oregon. They're part of the Cascade Conference. This is a program I've been around since I was a young boy. I think I've mentioned it a couple times on this show. I've known Coach Parnell for several years. He's a terrific young man, and I'm very proud to be able to interview him today. Coach Parnell is a native of Sutherland, Oregon. He played college basketball at Northwest Nazarene and transferred to Oregon Tech in his junior year, where he was a first-team All-American, and he went undefeated at Danny Miles Court as a player, going 38-0. Following graduation, Coach Parnell assisted at Clackamas Community College, then moved on to the high school ranks and guided the Lost River High School to a 20-9 season and a Southern Cascade title. He was also named the Conference Coach of the Year that year. He was named as as the successor to the great Danny Miles following four years on the Hustlin' Owl staff. In his initial three seasons, Coach Parnell has led Oregon Tech to three national tournament appearances, and last season led his team to the Cascade Conference Championship and to the NAI D2 Division Championship game, where they fell to Spring Arbor 82-76. Coach Parnell was the Cascade Conference Coach of the Year, and he has 74 victories over just three years. Justin Parnell has accomplished one of the most difficult tasks in all of sports, successfully stepping in for a legend. We'll begin in 30 seconds. Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. here. Today we have Justin Parnell from Oregon Tech Hustlin' Owls. Welcome, Justin.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Bill.
0: Uh, So last season, your third season as a head coach, you had 28 wins. You won the Cascade Conference took the team to the national tournament it got all the way to the championship game ended up the national runner-up losing that championship game to spring arbor 82 to 76 really quite a run we want you want to just talk a little bit about last season
1: you know i think really last season started you know three years ago and you know we brought in a great recruiting class and got the culture the way we wanted it and um got the work ethic back to where we wanted it and um kind of tried to you know take it over for coach miles here and did such a great job for so long there were some things that that we wanted to change just to make it our own and you know it took a few years and um you know the guys did a heck of a job last year we we hear a lot that you know you guys played unbelievable you know in the national tournament but you know for us to win the cascade conference and go 15 and 3 we had to play pretty well all year um with just a few hiccups and then you know coming out of the Cascade Conference is the regular season champions and then losing in the first round in the conference tournament to the eighth seed. Um it was actually a really good team and a tough matchup for us Northwest. Uh, I think there was a lot of question marks, but it turned out to be, you know, one of the best things could happen to us all year. We we kinda got our heads right after that. We had about two solid weeks of practice and what happens if you go all the way through your conference tournament, you only get you know, two or three good practices before you leave for the national tournament. And, uh, you know, we had about two weeks full of them, and we changed some things that we've been wanting to change, and we just didn't have time during the year. And, you know, going into the tournament, we just felt really confident and and fresh. You know, it kind of felt like we had a reset. Going into that first game against Antelope Valley, it was almost like we were like a caged animal, you know, coming out. And, you know, I think we ended up going up 22 or 23 in that first half on – on uh, Antelope Valley, and they're a really, really good basketball team, and then, you know, our energy was just, it was his, it was at a level that I hadn't seen all year, it was like a team that had been, we had been beat in the first round two years in a row, and uh, they weren't going to let that happen, you know, they weren't going to let that happen again, and then once you get out of that first round, I think guys realize, man, you're just a few games from, from doing something special, and, you know, we got down early by 12 against um, Kokomo, and, had a lot of trouble standing in front of them and defending the three. And, you know, obviously our system is, you know, we, we want to play fast. And eventually we wore down Kokomo and came back and, and won that game by 12. And the same thing with Indiana Wesleyan. Um, we got down early and I think we got down 11 or 12 and we eventually wore them down. And, you know, when we got past that game, I would I would say it's probably, it was probably a surprise. You know, going into that one, talking with the coaches, we're like, oh, you know what? it's been a good year, and going into the <laughs> elite eight, and I just thought you know Indiana Wesleyan was just so talented, and yeah. it's not that we were conceding that we were just we just thought you know it's been a heck of a year, and you know whatever happens today happens, we need to be proud of these guys and proud of the job that they've done and you know once we got into that game, we realized, okay, maybe you know maybe we can do something here, and we made a great run, and then you know we really got hot in the second half, and um yeah, I don't know if anybody in the country could have beat us that night just the way we shot the ball and you know our intensity level and our energy level was was as good as it's been all year so we get out of that one and we go to the final four and we're playing a familiar foe in college of idaho where they know exactly everything that we want to do and (laughs) we know what they want to do and we've played against that zone a million times and you know we just had a couple guys really step up and were unbelievable in that first half it's seth erickson and Kyson Faust, I think they combined for, you know, 34 points. And, you know, I think we were up 25 or 26 in the first half of that game. And so it was just kind of an out-of-body experience because, you know, we're not 24 points better than, than College of Idaho. They're really well coached and mm-hmm. a great team. And so we get out of that game and, you know, we're headed to the national championship game. And again, it's probably the perfect match for us. You know, we really want to play fast and aggressive and, and spring Arbor wants to slow it down. And, um, you know, they want to run their stuff, which they do so well, extremely well coached. And Marinette and you know Durnell, they're just two really tough guards. And Beckman, the big kid, and and they just they they slowed us down. They did a great job. Their game plan was perfect. But I was really proud of our guys. We made a run there at the end and finally started to wear them down. We just we just ran out of some time. But it was it was a run that I'll never forget. You know, and I hope that's not the last time we get to do that.
0: You know, coach. Everybody I've talked to, and when, when they bring up Spring Arbor. They, the first thing they always say is they frustrated us and they they controlled the pace everybody everybody I've talked to tells me that which is what it felt like it happened in, in that that championship game
1: it did and yeah you know our biggest worries were were that they would slow the game down and be able to control that pace um, and then the other worry was uh, durnell and he's a tough matchup for us we you know he's kind of an undersized Forward um, can go inside, can shoot it from the outside, can put it on the floor, and we really didn't have someone that could guard him, you know, at all three levels, mm. and and that was a huge worry. And the two things we were worried about definitely hurt us, and and we prepared for that, and you know, we really tried to make that not be a factor. And it just says a lot about how good that team was that they were able to do both of those things at such a high level all tournament.
0: Well, coach, it was a great season, and you. You mentioned uh, taking over the program from Danny Miles, had over a thousand, well over a thousand wins, one of the top five winningest coaches in college basketball history. Not NAI, college basketball history. You've made it look like you just jumped in the car at full speed. Danny jumped out and you jumped in. To, I'm sure it wasn't that easy. Can you talk about that journey a little bit and then what last year meant to the program being to be able to bring it back to the championship game?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, taking over for Danny, um, first of all, was just a huge honor. Um, you know, I think he's the greatest coach in the history of college basketball. I truly believe that. And you know, just his, just him wanting me to take over the program and you know, giving me his vote of confidence, was just something really special. And, and that'll never be lost on me. But taking over for him also wasn't an easy. You know, wasn't an easy thing. We, you know, this, this community is really involved and you know we have such great fan support and they had just grown to love Danny over the years and you know 45 years of seeing him on the bench and then someone else taking over especially someone 28 years old with no head coaching experience um, I think there were a lot of questions and we've just tried to do the best we can every day and you know I think when I took over and I've been asked the question of quite a few times of how it was and I think you just have to be OK with no matter what you do, no matter what your team accomplishes and no matter what we accomplish, it's all been done before. You know, they've won over 10 conference championships. You know, Oregon Tech's won three national titles. Um, now we've been to the national championship game five times. It's all been done before. So if you're doing it for what other people think of you, then, then you, I think it was a perfect scenario, a perfect storm for someone to really struggle taking over for them. But if you're doing it for, you know, kind of your love of the game and and the relationships with kids and and the experiences that you're going to get, it's great. You know, and the fans here in the community have been 100% supportive. Um, I think it helps that we've won. Uh, You know, if we were losing, I think it would have been a a little bit different. But I knew when I took over that it was going to be a big job and we needed a great coaching staff. And, you know, Paul Poach stayed on. Uh, with me and you know, Paul's a tremendous coach. It's like having a second head coach. His relationships with the players are really genuine. Um, his knowledge of the game is as good as anyone out there. Um, so for him to to stay on with me and still with me this in the fourth year um, has really been huge. Uh, you know, I really consider him you know one of my best friends and just really close friend that um, really didn't have to stay on. He he's a retired guy he could be doing all sorts of things, but, you know, he stayed on because he loves our guys and the program and we definitely wouldn't have had the success so far without him. And then, you know, we knew we had to get Josh Wetzler who I played with here and Josh has just done a great job. A lot of what we do offensively is really just a reflection of Josh because his offensive mind is, is brilliant. And a lot of what you see us do and run is, is comes from him. So we knew we had to get those two guys on the staff and then, we knew we had to go recruit, and I think we've done a really good job of getting Oregon Tech type guys and, and guys that can really play and they bought into the system. And, and then getting back to the national championship game in the third year was probably a little quicker than we thought, but um, you know we wouldn't give that back ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you you talked about Oregon Tech guys, so you're you definitely have that background. You went to Sutherland High School. You were uh, I might be wrong here. I think you're in the top 100 high school scores in the state of Oregon. You uh, went over to Northwest Nazarene and and played and then in your junior year you transferred to Oregon Tech. You became an all-American there. I said in the intro you you never lost a game on that floor down in Klamath Falls. You went 38 and 0. You know, you just really excelled within the Cascade Conference, uh, one of the best players in the country and a lot of people hold you up as the ultimate Oregon Tech guy. That that must have kind of added some pressure to you knowing that you had to maintain what you had walked into
1: there was obviously pressure um you know but I think we all felt pretty confident that we could keep this thing going and um you know the great thing about Oregon Tech is it, it isn't a year-to-year program where you know we're losing seven or eight guys and bringing seven or eight guys in um you know there's a tradition here and you get kids to buy into the system and the, and the tradition and you know, it's really you're hoping that you're not going to have any down years, and and you're going to be able to recruit and replace and and redshirt guys. And but you know, really, I've had the you know talking about going back to Sutherland and Northwest Nazarene. My whole playing career, I played for amazing coaches. Um, you know, I never probably from fourth grade on oh. I started playing basketball. I never played for anybody. Yeah, you know, I really didn't feel was a that was a great coach. You know, back in high school at Sutherland. I played for one of the best high school coaches in the state, Craig Stinnett. I've always felt that he was at the wrong level and he really should have, you know, he really should have been at the college level, but he was a great coach at Sutherland. And a lot of things I learned there, we still use here. And then, um, you know, I had the opportunity to play for Coach Tim Hills at Northwest Nazarene, who is one of the best offensive minds I've ever been around and and just one, just a genuinely great person. And um, that was wonderful. And then playing for Coach Miles here was obviously the experience of a lifetime and Um, you know, but each one of those guys that I played for, you know, we use a lot from each one. And obviously with coach miles, we're using the same kind of offensive system and our transition game. But uh, each one of those guys really is kind of reflected, you know, kind of in my coaching philosophy.
0: So after you graduated, uh, you did a couple of different things and you ended up at Lost River high school and you had quite a good season there. You won the SCL title. You were coach of the year. And then you went back and joined Danny Miles staff prior to being the head coach I believe you were on four years on the staff one year as the associate head coach I believe what did you learn you know going out you had played for great coaches and you had had a a ton of success as a player but then you go out to Lost River High School now you're the man you were able to have success there so what did you find within yourself that allowed you to be successful right off the bat and then when you came back to Oregon Tech, working with Danny and Mike Bazan. I mean, you know, just talk about that l- that learning build you had because obviously once you took over as the head coach, you had a, a very good foundation because you won right off the bat.
1: Yeah, so my first year out of playing, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I thought about going to play overseas. I thought about going into law enforcement. You know, I thought about being a teacher. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. What I did know is that I love being around the game of basketball and I love being around you know, young people and love being part of a team. So I was, you know, I assisted for Danny that first year out of college and, you know, did a couple different jobs on the side. And then, you know, he really encouraged me to go get a high school job and kind of here locally and try to figure out exactly if being a head coach was something I wanted to do. And, you know, my wife was still going to school here. Um, So it was the perfect time for me to go out to Lost River, which is, you know, a very small town. Uh, Maryland Oregon, and you know they do love their sports out there. But uh, we went out there, and you know we did. We had a great year. We went 21 and nine, and we had really good kids. And, and we ended up losing, I think, to the state champion. You know, in the round of 16. You know, at their place, and we almost, we almost had them beat, and and we did not. But I realized at that point that you know being a, a head coach or just being a coach in a program was something I really wanted to do, and you know I wanted to go all in on basketball, and and kind of go that route. So I came back and um, coached with Danny for a few more years and told him, you know, college basketball is what I want to do. And, uh, and then I actually went up to Clackamas Community College with Jim Martino on the women's side for a year. You know, we were, my wife and I, you know, she had, got a job in, up in Portland and that sounded like something we maybe wanted to try out for a year. And as soon as I got up there and started helping Jim at Clackamas, Coach Miles called and wanted me to apply for the head coach job because he says he was going to re, uh, retire so I was hoping that that wouldn't happen for a few more years so we could stay up there for a bit and I let my wife get settled but she said you know we'll follow you back and we'll do whatever whatever it takes so came back and I was associate head coach for a year here at OIT and then um, and then took over the following year but you're right you know there was a a lot of people a lot of times when you get a job as a young guy you know young coach or are taking over a program that needs a complete rebuild that you know, maybe has not been successful, The coach was fired or budgetary issues aren't great. Well, I feel really fortunate because I walked into a situation where you know, the program was in great hands. Uh, we had really good guys. Um, and the budget and, and the way the program's funded is, is really good. So, you know, for me, I kind of hit the jackpot at 28 years old and was able to just kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, we needed to go out and get some guys, and we had scholarships available to do that. And, um, you know, the rest is kind of history.
0: Well, let's talk about this year's Oregon Tech Hustlin' Owls. You only lost one senior from last year, Kim Valve, and Kim didn't play many minutes, but he was quite an emotional leader. In fact, toward the end of the season, uh, people started referring to that team, that runner-up team, as the Kim Valve team. He was important t- to the team, wasn't he?
1: He really was. And sitting around at some summer AAU tournaments, you know, people ask who we're losing, and you know, I say we lose. Well, we lose the last guy on our bench, and. But he was, you know, extremely important. And everybody goes, yeah, we, you know, we really feel sorry for you. You're losing. The only guy you're losing is the last guy. But there really is a lot more to it than that. You know, Kim was a guy who played zero to three minutes a game. And he was our, without a doubt, he was our leader and our captain. You know, and he just did so much in practice. A, a lot of what Mitch Fink and how much better he's gotten is a huge credit to, to Kim because Kim was kind of a pest on the, the defensive end. And, um, you know, he is the ultimate Oregon Tech guy. We changed the Oregon Tech Guy Award to the Kim Valve Award. Kim was just a guy that we, we still miss to this day, you know, immensely. There's mm-hmm. in our first month, month and a half of practice, there's has been something missing just slightly and it, it was the energy that, that Kim brought the entire time he was here. And the great part about Kim is he was the same guy every day regardless of the circumstance. And, you know, if he knew it was a game where he was gonna get to play, or if it was a game where he was gonna be a bench guy, he was the same guy. I'll never forget uh, coaching him and the impact that one guy, especially someone is inspirational and someone who does not play, just the impact that, that they can have on a basketball team.
0: Well, this year you mentioned Mitch Fink. you got a great offensive engine there, and, and every motor needs a distributor cap, and your distributor is Mitchell Fink. He had 252 assists last year. He averaged 15 points a game. Uh, but he, he's just the guy who makes it go, isn't he? Now, we gotta mention he's a first team All American, two time Cascade Conference Player of the Year, and he won a very prestigious Ad Rutschman award for the best small college athlete in Oregon last year. So he, he has a lot of hardware.
1: Yeah, Mitchell is he's a special talent, you know, in many more ways than just the offensive end, but you know, he's so talented with the basketball. You know, he puts so much time in and he's such a he has such a high IQ that teams guard him in so many different ways, and he's just able to adjust and adapt and react in any situation. And people have tried to guard him a lot of different ways, and we've been asked the question of how we would guard him, and I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, he just is – you know, we run so many ball screens with him, and if you hedge it, he can split it. You know, and if you push it to the side, he's so talented with drawing the big guy, big guy out. And if you switch it, he can take advantage of the big – there's just – so many scenarios and how you can guard him, and he's just able to um, – it's not like something we taught him. He's learned that himself and how he's going to react and adjust to different ways the defense guards him. I think that's probably his best characteristic on the basketball basketball court is his ability to just adjust to what the defense is doing. Um, and you pair that with he's a fantastic shooter. He's extremely unselfish, and he led the country in assists, I want to say last year maybe the year before. You know, He shoots it at such a high percentage – He's a great defensive player on the ball, and overall, he's just a fierce competitor. I remember watching him on his recruiting visit. And he's 18 years old, and we have a junior point guard. They got in a fight in the open gym on his recruiting visit, and those <laughs> two are good friends to this day. You know that guy's graduated by now, but he he got in a you know I wouldn't say you know a knockdown drag out, but they got into kind of a skirmish. And I remember that player came over to me afterwards and said, "I don't care what you got to do, we got to sign him because because he's a stud." and that just says a lot about who he is and, you know, just that fierce mentality of just, you know, never being turned down. I think his size has kind of played into that. You know, he's six foot, you know, and he's probably always had to have a little chip on his shoulder and have a different edge his whole life. And um, some of that comes off in a way where, you know, he's overly intense and kind of maybe barks at the officials, but I wouldn't change him one bit because because that kid, every night you go out on the floor, you know, you're going to have one of the toughest players
0: you know, Justin, I always compare him to a, a name you'll be familiar with, but uh, Lane Wartman, he was a point guard of a, a well, very good Oregon Tech team. And uh, they're different kind of players. They are both point guards, but they were different type of players. But Lane Wortman had just a, a dry, I call it a nose for victory. When the ball game's on the line, you know he's going to find a way to win. And, and Mitchell Fink has that e- exact same trait.
1: He does. Um, you know, he's got a lot, a lot of big buckets for us you know, over the past couple years, a couple game winners, and, and you're right. He, he's that guy that when the, the game's on the line, he wants the ball in his hands, and, and he's going to be a little bit selfish. And I think that's a – you know, you want that in, in kind of your stud and your playmaker. At the end of the game, he wants to take that shot. And, you know, if it's a 50-50 shot, and he's got the confidence that he's going to score it. And I think that's hard to do because – you know, some kids can be a little bit self-conscious about you know maybe he should have given it up at the end of the game or 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 what and, you know he's scared of what his teammates think but his teammates have accepted it and he's accepted it that he's the guy and he, when we need him to go win us the game he will.
0: So let's talk about some of the great players he has around him. Seth Erickson's a senior this year, 14 points a game, almost six rebounds. This guy can really leap. He shot 42 percent from three great free throw shooter. He's very efficient at the offensive end.
1: Seth is extremely efficient the great the great part about Seth is he is probably one of the best peer shooters you know I've ever been around and he hasn't always been like that when he was in high school when we recruited him he was just an athlete and he was pretty skinny and lanky and you know he just was kind of a high flyer and you know kind of the mo on on Seth coming out of high school is that you know he wasn't a great shooter or passer but he could fly Going into his, I think it was his junior summer, he tore his ACL. I don't know if he's fully ever recovered from it. So he's had to change his game, and he's really changed his game to more of a controlled, pure shooter, you know, very fundamental and, you know, efficient player. And he went from, you know, a guy that we weren't sure if he was ever going to recover from that knee injury to he's one of the harder guys to guard in the Cascade Conference because, you know, he's so under control inside. You know, he'll lift fake you and pivot you to death. But on the perimeter, like, you can't leave him for an inch. And if you do, he's going to knock it down, and, and he's going to shoot it at a really high percentage. But it says a lot about Seth and his character that, you know, he kind of faced the hardship with his knee that still to this day bothers him, but he was able to change his game and, and maybe take a little bit of a step back from just being a great athlete to just being a really efficient basketball player.
0: Another senior is uh, Tyler Heeb, part, part of that original recruiting class, nine points a game, three and a half rebounds. But stats don't tell the story with Tyler Heeb, do they?
1: They don't. They do not. And you know, we actually had Ty. He shot under 40% from the field last year. All you know for the for the entire year, and he started and played a ton of minutes. And I guess from the outside looking in, you would probably wonder, you know, why we played him so much. But it's because he was probably the best on-ball defender I've ever seen. And you know, no, no matter who, if he, you know, Jordan May was a fantastic talent in this league. Um, you know, he did a heck of a job on him twice. Um, and then Justin Martin from Multnomah he did a great job here at home. So Ty the stats do not tell him I could care less if Ty shoots twenty percent or below. He's gonna play because he can defend and you know exactly what you're gonna get out of Ty on that end of the floor every single night. He's one of those guys, you know, I always call he and Scotty Burge the company men because they just show up, they do their job, they clock in, they clock out, and you know exactly what you're going to get every single day. And, you know, we have a bunch of those guys, but, you know, Ty is definitely the leader of that group. The other thing with Ty is, you know, he can go 0 for 5 in a game, and I can guarantee you if he's got a shot to win it, he's going to drill it. He hit seven threes at Multnomah, um, you know, after a really hard start shooting to the season, and he saved us in that game. Uh, He hit three threes in the last seven minutes at Southern Oregon um to beat them you know and then at northwest christian when he was really struggling offensively uh on the road when the game where we really had to win he hit a big three where he got fouled to kind of get the game tight and then he made a free throw with about 0.1 seconds to go uh to give us the win right in about two minutes before that he went over two from the line so with ty you just got to know when the game's on the line you got you know what you're going to get
0: and then you had a couple of couple of juniors with them uh scotty burge uh almost five points a game couple rebounds uh you just mentioned he's kind of a steady eddie
1: yeah scotty is another guy who shot didn't shoot the ball well last year and started for us and and the reason is because he's just a tremendous team defensive player um and he's a ball mover and he's another guy that you know we we, we want to get off to a good start in every game and with t- uh scotty you know exactly what he's going to give you to start every game you know Scotty's the type. Just like Ty, we call him the company man. And no, no matter what, how hard practice is or what goes on, you know, they're always going to be a voice of the coach in the locker room. I can't say enough good things about Scott. He's probably one of our, and I say this in a nice way. He's probably one of our worst athletes, but he's our best defensive player. And that tells you just that tells you everything you need to know about him. Is that, you know, he he's a guy that's constantly in stance. He's a great de- team defensive player. He's pretty good on the ball, and no matter what, he's going to have you know, a tremendous attitude. He, we do a thing in practice every year where guys give thought talks, something they're going to talk about at the beginning of every practice. And Scotty talked about, we with so much depth on this team. We have, you know, eight or nine guys who might be able to start, who are good enough to start. And he goes, you can either be bitter about your playing time or you can enjoy just a great experience. He admitted that at times last year, even though we couldn't see it as coaches, that, you know, he was bitter and he felt he should have played more and You know, he self-reflected this summer and just realized that, you know, being part of this program and and being part of a team with these guys and your best friends is is enough. If that means getting to play as part of it, that's just gravy. But he gave that speech at the beginning of the year, and I really felt it got us off to a great start mentally.
0: He comes from a great basketball family. His dad was one of the best coaches in Washington high school history, winning almost 500 games, almost 80% of the games he coached. Uh, We're going to actually have him on next week.
1: Yeah, Doug is a Doug was a great high school coach. Um, he's a good friend of mine and and you see a lot of Scotty in him and you know, he definitely raised a great kid and you know, and Doug really loves this program too.
0: And then in the middle you got another junior, Garrett Albright, he's out of out of Bend, Oregon. He really came on toward the end of the year and played his heart out in the tournament last year.
1: Garrett was yeah, Garrett had a great end of the year, I thought, and you know the the best part about about Garrett is, is just his ability to run. You know, at six nine, he's one of our fastest guys, and it really puts a lot of pressure on the other team's big guys, and it makes them play maybe go deeper onto their bench than you know than they really want to. And and Garrett really came along last year. You know, being the big in our system is really probably not the most joyous and glorious position because you got to run the floor and you're expected to stay opposite the ball you know and that's you know you're not posting up on the block all the time and getting a lot of touches even though we're trying to make that change this year a little bit because we feel like we got some big guys who can really play but Garrett really bought into his role and when he did that um you know his numbers went up and in the national tournament he was outstanding you know Christian Drayton from Antelope Valley was as good as any big guy in the country and you know Garrett just did a great job against him and then you know Seth Maxwell from from uh, Indiana Wesleyan, I thought Garrett was just tremendous against him, and Matt Myers and Connor Desonnier is against College of Idaho. So, you know, Garrett was a sophomore last year, and I really felt in the tournament, you know, he, he blossomed into just a really solid basketball player.
0: And then you got a couple of guys who can really run the wing: Kellen Garrick, he's out of B- Bieber, California, and Harrison Steiger, both juniors. He's out of Wilsonville. They both average about six points a game, but they can they can really fly, and they're both key to that fast break.
1: They are. You know, our wings and our bigs are the two biggest keys to, to what we want to do in transition, and um, we talk a lot about not running the lanes. You sprint the lanes, and those guys take that to heart, and they can really fly, and, um, you know, those two may not be real effective perimeter shooters, but just the effort that they give in transition, and, you know, they, score, they each score, you know, four to six points in transition a game, and you add that with a jumper, and you know, a couple of free throws and you're in double digits. And I think they've really just bought into, you know, how you run the lanes and how it affects everything. And um, those two are both big time athletes, Harrison Steiger. He's kind of the definition of competitive greatness, you know, play your best when your best is needed because Steiger seems like in every big game, you know, he just goes to a different level. I think it was Indiana Wesley and he had 14 in the national tournament and a big dunk and a couple threes and, you know, Kellen Gehrig uh, against College of Idaho was just lights out. You know, and those guys are tough. And, you know, they not only run the ball and tra- or run the court in transition, they're, they're tough once you get in the half court and they get all over the offensive boards. And, you know, they're just a group of guys. Or Those two coming off the bench are kind of like a wrecking crew where, you know, you played our, kind of our solid, more – Uh, ball mover type wings at the start of the game and then you bring those two guys in where they just got to chase them all around the floor can just it can be really tough and put a lot of pressure on the defense
0: let's talk about three freshmen from last year kyson faust out of medford matt van tassel also out of bend and lachlan mckim he's out of australia those three freshmen really produced last year and again all came up big in the tournament they're sophomores this year can you talk a bit about that group
1: yeah you know it's we go through our guys, and there's just so much depth. You talk about those three, those three are probably good enough to start. You know, it just happens to be that we have a lot of depth, and they have some good players and some veterans in front of them. But, you know, Kyson, when you when you have Kyson on the floor going into any game, you know you have the most tough, you know, you have the toughest kid, you have the most physical kid, and you have the best athlete. And that's a good combo. You know, he's just as tough as they come. Uh, and, you know, he's just relentless on the offensive rebounds. And this year he's going to play four positions for us. He's going to play everything but the point. And then Matt Van Tassel. Matt's probably our most improved player. Um, you know, it's six seven. He can six seven and built. Um, you know, he can shoot the three. He's one of our probably our top two shooters right behind Seth Erickson. He can put the ball on the floor. You know, he can score getting to the rim. He can score as a pull up jump shot. And then he's really effective in the post with how physical he is. So Matt is a guy that wouldn't surprise me one bit coming off the bench if he's you know one of our top scorers if not our top scorer Um, he's a guy that we just have to find more minutes for and then Lachlan McKim 6'9 kid out of Australia Uh, he's really talented and he put on about 15 pounds of muscle the great thing about Lockie is he gives you a different look than Garrett inside. you know Garrett's gonna run the floor and stay opposite and catch dump offs and and Lockie, he can take you out to 10 or 12 feet and shoot the jump shot and put it on the floor. He's really long. So it's just nice that both both of our bigs give you a little bit different of a look, and they're both really good.
0: So, Coach, it looks obviously on paper. It looks like you're set to have a great year. Proof's in the pudding is what I always say. So tell me what you know Oregon Tech fans can expect this year and what are the keys to you having a you know getting back to that conference title and having another good run in the tournament what, what do the owls have to do
1: well you know I think first of all number one thing is we just have to use the mindset of you know we're going to go game by game you know this Saturday we have an exhibition game against the Seattle Mountaineers and we're going to do what we can to beat them and we're going to learn what we didn't do well after the game and and then the next week of practice, we'll try to get better at that, and you know that's one thing we've we did last year is there was always something every week that we tried to get better at, and it really helped that it, I really think it helped us stay sharp um, and continuing to prove throughout throughout the year. Um, you know, obviously we got to stay healthy, um, we got to stay selfless. You know, our, our guys are really unselfish, and we we got to keep that mentality. And you know, based off our success last year, some may just say you know they're going to go. You know, your goal is to get back and win it all. And really our goal is just to do as good as we can in conference. And we have such a great conference. And just because we got back to the national title game last year doesn't mean we're, we're a shoe in You know, we could easily not make the tournament with how good our league is. So I think we just got to take it game by game, um, get a little bit better all year, just buy into our system, which our guys already have, and, and they run it at a high level.
0: Could you tell fans what kind of team do you like to put on the floor? What what do you what do you want people to think about when they think of Oregon Tech basketball? What are the traits?
1: Well, first of all, if someone comes to watch us, we want to be role models, you know, especially the young kids or, you know, athletes and and or people in general. You know, we want to be a class group of guys. And that doesn't mean we're not going to be intense and we're not going to be passionate and energetic. We just want to be you know, someone that you know, our Klamath Basin and our community can be proud of and then second is we we want to play really fast and if you if anybody watches us they know that we want to play fast we talk about not running the lanes we're going to sprint the lanes and we're going to do that every time and I think it's easy to be a running team that you know when when it's comfortable you're going to run you know when the whole purpose of running is to get easy baskets and you're not going to do that and get multiple easy baskets if if you don't sprint the lanes every time so I think you know we want to be really fast at the same time we want to be controlled so If teams are able to get back on us in transition, we want to make them work in the half court. Because I think the knock on, you know, fast break teams is, you know, you're not going to be very efficient in half court. Well, we want to do both. We want to make you work, and then we want you to have to guard us in the half court and, you know, at least 20 seconds and, um, you know, try to score that way. So we're not just going to throw up. We call it the gray area where you can sometimes play between transition and the half court, and you're just not getting a good possession. So we want to be fast, controlled. And we want to be really unselfish. Uh, we want to be extremely unselfish. The last two years, you know, we've been in the top five in the country uh, in assists per game. And then lastly, is we're going to guard you. And we haven't been a great defensive team in terms of points given up, but it's also hard because we we there's a lot of possessions in our games with how fast we play. So we look more at the you know defensive field goal percentage and the three-point defensive field goal percentage. So we're going to make that tough on you. And then I guess you could add that we're just going to be poised and – We've won a lot of close games the last couple of years, and I think that has in large part due, been due to our um, our poise at the end of games and having guys that you know have experience and have been there before.
0: Well, Coach, I really appreciate your time. I want to say to all the fans there in the Klamath Basin, get out there and buy your tickets. Call the school today. Go to oregontechowls.com. Get your tickets today because this is one of the best teams in the nation playing one of the best conferences in the nation Coach, The coaches poll in the conference uh, selected you first, and then the national poll just came out today, selected you second in the nation. Uh, I just want to encourage fans to get out and support. NAIA basketball is the best entertainment value in America. It's about $7, $8 a seat. You buy a season ticket. A pair of season tickets is going to cost you less than a weekend in Portland, and you're going to be entertained all, all winter. So get out and buy your tickets and support these young athletes. They're terrific people. Uh, Coach, I thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks, Bill. You're doing a great job. Uh, It's been, you know, our staff has listened to all of uh, all the interviews and doing a great job. More importantly, you're a great fan, and we appreciate you here at Oregon Tech.
0: Well, Coach, that means a lot to me, and uh, thank you again for the time. And uh, if you like this podcast, subscribe and favorite. Let's get the word out on NAIA basketball. Thanks, Coach.
1: Thank you.